0: Good afternoon, uh, welcome to the serious Computer Security Seminar from Purdue University. Our speaker today, Robert Zimmerman, is a Purdue grad from back in my era, 1984. Uh, he graduated with an MSIA, uh, Krannert uh, Business Degree, uh, uh, Masters, and now is the CTO of InfraRistec. And uh, they're a consulting business and they do some work in healthcare privacy, which is going to be part of his subject today. Robert. Okay, thank you. Um, Just a couple of things. We're going to talk about this uh, maybe a little more from a business perspective that a lot of you uh, may be familiar with with pure computers but we really want to get this interactive. Um, I I really started off with a simple um, there's a huge opportunity in this area. Um, Healthcare, security, privacy, technology in general is about 10 years behind other industries and there's a lot of reasons for that and we'll get into it but it also is opening up huge opportunities. And healthcare, if you've gone to healthcare, how many people have gone to a doctor recently and they've actually used uh a tablet when they just a couple. So, anyone else? That's it. So, even though the mandates out there uh, for technology and for doctors to become more uh technology literate, use EHRs, do interactive sessions and so forth, it's actually uh pretty much behind and a lot of medicine for all kinds of reasons has not adopted technology. So that kind of really leads to what we're going to talk about, the state of uh, security, privacy, interoperability in healthcare. Um, This is kind of what it looks like. It's really a mismatch. There's just been an overwhelming number of guidance and one of the biggest issues in healthcare is the people who really do security privacy, even the technology people, and I've found this kind of interesting since I, I've been in the industry a while and we started another company called uh, QIP Solutions focused on health IT solutions, regulatory compliance simplified, is we've dealt with CTOs when, they, when you talk about compliance, you talk about project management, they don't know how to do it. Um, because in healthcare, everything has been uh, fire drills there's a problem. we got to do it today. It's a 24-7 business. You can't spend time, like a lot of industries, to stop. So everything's 24-7. Everything seems to be fire drills. They're not very good at project management. Um, And when you look at that, all these things are happening right now. It's overwhelming the industry, um, whether it's the regulatory requirements, um, the fact that they now have to do security and privacy. It's one of the mandates. And when you think about it, it's probably pretty important because the value of a um, medical record right now is about 50 times that of a credit card record because what you can do with it. And I don't think a lot of people know the hackers are starting, but that's not why breaches occur, and we'll get into that. It's not hackers for 90% of the breaches. Um, But the value of a record is 50 times very simply because in a credit card, you usually can tell pretty quickly that there was a breach. And all the credit card companies, they send these announcements now, they can do the patterns it's very easy for them to do detection um, on data um, because the data is in one place. In healthcare the data is all over. So what most people are doing today and you see this mismatch and this is a clinician and that's kind of what they're overwhelmed is if I stole somebody's record from here in Indiana my first thing would be to go to like South Dakota and sell it and I'm going to sell it to people who need a procedure and they're gonna take my name Robert Zimmerman they're gonna get a little ID card And nobody's going to notice anything for a good 30 days minimum until the bills start coming back to me, Robert Zimmerman, and I'm going, what is this? And they then will start realizing it. So you can imagine all the charges to get racked up. And I've seen hundreds of thousands of dollars for certain individuals. And right now, there is no central repository. In certain areas like Indianapolis and and things like that, you're going to have the hospitals integrated. And they they share information, but once you get out of any of these areas, there is almost no integration and interoperability. So you hear all these things from the government about uh, data and data accessibility and we're going to have it all in. But the problem is until the medical people trust each other, there's no central data. Until all the payers, the Blue Crosses, the Aetna's of the world trust each other, there's no central data. And because they don't trust what other people are going to do with it because they believe maybe they'll get an uh, edge. Um, on them, because they can do analysis on the data and they can determine certain patterns and things like that, which can help them from performance. So, what is out there today is really this mismatch um, and what happens in healthcare because of liability? Uh, Basically, very slow technology innovation, because they are all very risk-averse. So I know a lot of people here are CN and, and people believe technology is just rapid, but there's industries like this that have been very slow to adopt uh, technology. These are just some of the terms we're going to talk about. Um, the Accountable Care Act is really commonly called Obamacare, but that's just one small piece of it. Meaningful use, HIPAA high-tech, electronic records, e-prescribe, all these things generate the fact that we are going to have a lot more data out there. Um, in a place where people can access it, but that also opens it up to threats, vulnerabilities, etc., that haven't been there when your data was just sitting behind the counter in a uh, folder. Um, and a lot of doctors still use those folders. Um, and that, but now if the data is actually get, we get to the point in the next few years where it's in a database, that's going to open it up for uh, all the vulnerabilities that are out there. Um, patient engagement—that's driving healthcare change, and that's really saying we're going to allow patients to see their data and we're going to actually have portals where you can go and access your data. Now the VA has had this for a while but most doctors are very shy to do this. Um, does anybody have a doctor that's allowing you to access your medical records online today? Okay so there are a couple that's, and that's probably what it is because most doctors are afraid of the liability because if you actually see your records and they scribble things and then you're going to go do your own self-diagnosis because what are the top sites on the web today for people to go out to. Um, The number four and five sites out there are healthcare sites. People self-diagnose, I've got cancer, I've got this, Um, and doctors are very worried that people are going to take this portal, and let's say the data is not very good because that's the other problem in healthcare today is the quality of data, and somebody's going to go run with this and then say, wait a minute, Dr. Bob, you told me I had this, but I just went out to this site um, health for me, and they said, no, 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 I have this. And that's a real concern out there. It's the quality and what are people going to do. And what's already happening, um, I was talking to a doctor, and she said we get at least half the patients come in and they tell me what's wrong because they've gone out there and they say, you gotta, uh, you got to prescribe me, uh, you know, I'll just come up with penicillin. And she goes, what? Uh, well, I went out to the site and they told me that was the, the remedy for it. And they're fighting that thing. So you can imagine when data starts getting out here like this and what people are going to do because it is coming. And the thing most people don't realize about this who is the biggest user of text phones? This is a, and of texting. Um, it's the underserved community, it's the rural community, um, it's the people that you might not think are, but it's the people that are, are served by Medicaid and, and commonly. So the poorer individuals, the rural people. They inter- most of their interactions are with text, and they are actually using smartphones today for a lot of their uh, communication, which is people don't realize. So people are already starting to use this, but there's no security on most of it. Um, most of the sites that people go to and they love to do their own self-diagnosis or they do the um, the heartbeat test and the different exercise, none of that is regulated. That's all out there. And what do you think these companies are doing? They're selling the information um, today. And the uh, the information is worth a ton of money because you can do analysis on it. it's probably one of the best sites for quality data. So that's kind of what's happening today. Um, The healthcare risk management environment, there's very little integration um, out there. Um, Traditionally what's been out there is operational risk and you have these compliance officers that run around checking what's going on and they'll look in clinics or hospitals or the doctors will do their reports on common procedures that they've done and have they followed the this, this straightforward, op, but that's from an operational perspective. Um, financial risks, people look at from the payer perspective because everybody cares about getting paid, and that drives medicine like everything else. But where there's been almost no focus is technology risk. And a lot of organizations, if you go into a lot of clinics and even regional community hospitals, the person they have in charge of IT was basically who volunteered, um, and that's who they've assigned to it. So they're really behind in a lot of areas just because the focus has been on patient care, research, and getting paid. And the last piece was risk. And the first two areas they've done, but technology risk, uh, most organizations are back in the phase of where finance and other industries were 10 years ago. This is kind of a very, uh, oops. This is a very nice chart about the risk gap between um, IT and uh, where healthcare is today. And you can see how the risk, and we showed that picture before, the risks are going up uh, incrementally just because data is now becoming available, technology is becoming prevalent. If these things really do come to pass, the patient portals, the fact that I'm in my house and I can interface with my doctor, um, your data is going to be coming across there. What's that offer? A lot of risk around security and privacy. And the other thing that's slowing down this is the the privacy groups who are saying, how do I know this data is going to be secure? And if anybody's in here uh, focused on data analysis, um, the other big push is the group pushing and the privacy saying, how can we really de-identify data? Because there's been studies done by people like Purdue University where they have basically been able to re-identify data where name, address was taken off but by trends and where it came from, they could identify it was Robert Zimmerman. Um, so there's, it's going to be a tough one because there's the concern, what are you going to do with this data? People say, well, healthcare data, what am I going to do with it? Um, I mentioned the thing about the, um, the Blue Crosses, you know, the word. The other issue is what's called behavioral health, and that's the data of people who have alcohol problems, drug problems, that data still can kill a person, uh, From, a, from a, not kill the person that way, but it can uh, really hurt you from your, your life, your job. There's a lot of jobs today where if that information gets out, they'll fire you, or you won't be able to get another job. A lot of people are concerned with all these incidents of you know, people going around in businesses and shooting people. If you say you have a behavioral health problem, um, they won't hire you. And if this data gets out, people can bribe. And that's the area where that we've already started seeing people try to hack in and use that part because if that got out on somebody like myself and I've had behavioral problems and I'm seeing a psychologist uh, and there's a statement here saying, you know, suicidal or or and that gets to my employer, um, that could really affect my job and so forth. So there's already been instances where people have been actually um there's uh had people ask for money for the information back and so forth. So it's something that's just waiting to happen. Luckily, the data's not out there right now in most places, and it's not very good. But once it does get good, um, it's going to be open for people like that um, to go after. And for better or worse, uh, the criminals uh, realize it. The other thing in healthcare care that, that's really, requ- everything has to be simple. Um, and a perfect example of this is when you look at this, the government came out with a 800 Question risk assessment. If anybody's seen IT risk assessments or understands NIST standards, um, that covered everything possible under the sun. Spent a million dollars on it. It was actually a a company we know. They probably laughed all the way to the bank. They made a million dollars. No one used it. Um, They came up with a 150-question risk assessment. Uh, No one used it, and I I don't know if I can put a demo up here. Here, but we have a 32-question that covers the exact same thing, but it's very simple. And the thing is, in, in healthcare, people want it to look just like this. They want it simple. They go, the doctors have egos, the nerd, and they go, hey, my, well, I have an app on my phone, and all I got to do is press this button, and it's got everything. And that's the kind of apps they're looking for. Unfortunately, the industry is putting out things that look like IT. And that's really critical in healthcare because everything revolves around time, patient, and if it's going to slow the doctor down or the clinician, they're not going to use it. They're not going to follow the process. Um, They're not going to use it um, because of efficiency. So everything has to be as simple and straightforward as possible but still try to cover uh, the requirements. So that's an added difficulty for healthcare systems. Uh, Security and privacy is becoming more complex and you just look at all that's happening in the healthcare world today. Um, The new technologies, the new care models. The growing consumerism of looking for data, and then you've got all this regulatory scrutiny that's popping up. Um, one of the hot areas in this right now, and we were asked, to, and we're going to try to put some up in the next 30, 60 days, and that's the other thing, is quick turnaround, is an Ebola compliance. It's hot area, everybody wants something yesterday, so everything has to be done fast. Well, what's going to be the last thing? We just happen to be in security privacy, so we're going to look at it. But a lot of apps, that's the last thing they do. Um, I was, uh, we have a group that has about 330 entrepreneurs in it. We call it the Maryland Health Tech Coalition. Um, and somebody had this great app, and it was for home health. And I asked them, well, had you tested it out to see the interface on anybody 70 or over? Uh, no, um, because it really looked good, but I could see that my father, anybody, there's no way they could do it. And I said, well, had you tested the security privacy? Because they're going to be doing this on their home. They're going to have all kinds of uh, uh, Smartphones, some of them are, they're going to leave them on because they could, they don't have any, and they could care. This is something totally, no. Um, so the, the whole industry does, is kind of moving towards this, and it's a hard thing because it, when you look at who's develops most of the apps, and it's people like, I'm looking out here, this age group, 20, 30. And there seems to be this, un, uh, which really is critical in healthcare especially, who uses most of the apps. It's the 50, 60, 70, 80-year-olds. Yes, a lot of them are tech-savvy, but not to this level. And they look for one very simple thing. As my father used to tell me, hey, if it's not easy, I can't press it, uh, I'm I'm not going to use it. I'll call. I'll call. Um, They'll go back to that. So there's a real frustration out there as people develop systems for healthcare. Are they making them fit this market? but everybody's, I think I saw recently that um, there's at least 30,000 apps uh, for the Android and, um, and Apple, um, the iPhone um, out there now. People are de- developing them like crazy, but the problem is who's using them unless they're very simple and straightforward. Um, they're just sitting there. So all this is going on, all this data, uh, the number of players, is, so there's just a lot of risk that's occurring right now. Any uh, any questions? Um, this is kind of what the environment will look like if, it, if we get to it, and this is, when you look at all those interfaces that are required um, out there, you can see all the potential vulnerabilities that are gonna be in the healthcare system. Um, this also opens up obviously opportunities for in all the application development groups as well as hospitals and everyone else. There's a distinct shortage of IT individuals. Um, we're always looking for people, everyone else is also. Um, so it's a great field of opportunity uh, if you're interested in it. But you can see all the people that are involved uh, right now. And it's just the more, the more points, the more risk that's obviously there, the more breakpoints, because it's the lowest risk factor. So if we actually get integrated um, and I'm in my phone connected to my doctor, Um, It's very easy that that would allow someone to hack into me, go to my doctor, then go into any of these other systems, and that's where the real money would be, would be hooking into the payers, uh, the employers, and other people where there's a lot of information and all kinds of information. Uh, Challenges are arising as, as healthcare reforms. You've got the big data, and everybody talks about big data and the value of big data. Um, but what they're failing to talk about is the quality of the data. And um, all the data analysis you can do if you don't have good data doesn't do any good, and that's the problem right there, but there's a big push for analysis because everybody believes in healthcare that identifying the data, we're going to be able to do trends, we're going to reduce costs, we're going to be able to help people before they have a problem based on their, uh, the certain uh, symptoms they show, the fact that maybe they're uh, a little overweight or they're diabetic, this is going to say this, or it it appears, you know, based on the sessions they're saying, and even some of this is soft skill type thing, where they're saying, I feel tired all the time, and what's that trend do? So there's a real belief, if this can ever happen, that the cost of healthcare is going to go way down, uh, just based on the use of data for analysis. We've got the new care models that we talked about and the whole idea of integration of data, and the data sharing which operates. Uh, provides more risk out there, uh, regulatory requirements and then the consumers are demanding information. They're probably the one driving healthcare more than anybody um, because people are going in and it's helping our business, uh, which I'll talk a little bit at the end, um, they're driving it because they're asking the questions, are you, are you HIPAA compliant, are you secure, can I access my data, um, are you using electronic health records? And they're really driving a lot of the thing. They're looking for the telemedicine that says, I can do things by my phone. Um, but what that is all driving is the change and the pressure. So if anybody's going to push it, it's that most people in healthcare don't really follow regulatory requirements unless there's a revenue aspect to it. Because they say, who's paying? And if somebody can't tell me who's paying, I'm not going to do it. But if my patients are telling me I need to do something, I'm going to do it because it's going to affect my revenue. Uh, or affect my reputation which affects my revenue. So those are the things driving all the change in healthcare today. Um, these are just some of the things once again about uh, w- what's driving it. Um, change has been being driven by the technology uh, w- without a doubt, but it's a very slow process. Um, what consumers are looking for, clinicians, the industry, The industry really hopes that this is going to drive down cost, and you know, the the latest one on the retail is the retail doctors. So when you go in and you see, uh, whether it's a CVS or Walgreens, they have their little clinic, Um, who's protecting that data? Um, And that seems to be where we're going to all these so-called urgent care or these retail facilities, and there's more touch points that are going to be out there in the industry. And then the whole idea about the data integrity and error reduction, um, will that really help uh, as we get more and more data? Um, Just some stats on um, engaged and connected consumers. Um, They're driving the mobile change and the mobile requirements. Some of the things they'd like to do with this, um, they have a strong interest in, in health monitoring devices. I think a lot of people would like to be able to do their own heart rate and things like that and do the self-diagnosis, would like to get appointment email reminders online, uh, get away from the phone, and to be able to schedule things um, on appointments uh, online and through that. Um, If you notice, one of the things here is that uh, 93% of uh, clinicians access uh, data through the smartphone. And this is one of the other things is most of those phones are not encrypted. Um, they get emails the way you know, it used to be faxes. You went to the doctor and they would fax the information to the other doctor or to the pharmacy. Well, now they're texting. Um, but most of them don't have secure text. But you know, they realize it, but there's the old trade off between do I really want security on here or do I want to try to help my patient in their mind? And they're going for uh, serving the patient, but what they're doing is losing these, and most of the breaches are caused by. While smartphones, laptops, etc., I was at a um, uh, a company that does home health, a provider network that does home health. The doctors uh, that were working for them were keeping everything in their trunk. So all the personal records, the laptops, everything was in their trunk. It was easy access, but obviously anybody going in there, the car got broken in. At all everybody's records are there. Some of them even kept it right in the back seat, which is even worse because then people can see it and break in. Um, and that really is kind of the state of the industry on security and privacy. No, they know they have to do it, but it's kind of one of those things. If I don't have to, nobody's going to catch me. Unless I can, I see there's a real problem, or I get, I have a problem. I'm not going to do anything about it. Uh, <clears throat> mobile technology has taken over the industry. Uh, these are just some of the apps and things that. Um, people are starting to use, whether it's uh, the consumers, the clinicians, or industry, um, home monitoring, remote monitoring, patient communication, diagnostics, and uh, decision support and things like that. But I think we're all, you're going to see it, it's just starting, Um, and the real thing keeping this back is is the trust factor, because when you talk to providers, they're saying, who is going to pay for the security? How do I know this is secure? I always worked with uh, Dr. Zimmerman and I referred patients to him and I sent it and I felt comfortable and we never had a problem. So how do I know this is going to be secure when I start sending information across the line? How do I know it's really going to get to Dr. Zimmerman and four other doctors aren't going to see it or some nurse who's then going to try to is also going to look at it, who shouldn't be looking at it. So there's this whole thing about the, the trust and the security. Um, there is an effort for the federal government to, to do interoperability and set standards, but as you can imagine, it's very difficult because um, vendors who are out there today have proprietary standards, and that's what's keeping customers using them is the proprietary standards, so the big people in the EHR world, um, whether it's Allscripts or Epic, it's to their advantage to keep everything proprietary, keep the data proprietary, keep the access proprietary. Um, Because if they start opening things up, then people are going to realize there's other things that I can use and there's better solutions besides their core. Um, So, there's a lot of things keeping technology from really advancing um, in the industry, the risk issue, the liability issue, and it's the vendors themselves. Data breaches are more prevalent than you think. Most people in healthcare don't really say when there's a problem unless they have to um, because of the liability. So there was a study done by Poneman and 41% of them said they had a data data breach last year. 79% reported having more than one. Um, So it's occurring pretty regularly. Um, And I don't think most people, if they knew this, would want their data out there. Um, But it is getting out. What are the likely factors for a breach? Lack of staff attention. Uh, mobile devices storing PHI, and health information sharing. So most of these are if they could get good policies, get good security standards in place, um, they could reduce most of this. But a lot of it is there's just not been the focus on it for every reason. Because the focus is on a lot of these people are overworked, they're working 12-hour days, there's a shortage of nurses, and they can get all the hours they want um, in most locales. And you can imagine at the end of a 12-hour shift, you're going to be tired and just open yourself up for even more. Uh, besides the fact a lot of the biggest issue is training and awareness on a lot of these issues. Uh, what's the cost of a breach? 81% resulted in time and productivity loss. Uh, 78% brand and 75% loss of goodwill. And that's really the driving force for anybody doing anything. It's, it's the reputation and it's the patient goodwill because that, that, everything there drives revenue. And as more and more of these uh, urgent care facilities set up, there's competition for hospitals and clinics, and that's really what's driving change and and technology innovation um, are those things because people are worried about potential patients going down the street. And you're seeing more and more where there's like two urgent care facilities right down the street from each other run by two different hospitals. Um, You're seeing where, you know, uh, a lot of doctors are looking for patients that – are going to be full paying not other types so there's just this whole thing and how do you do that it's all by reputation and goodwill um, what's the just some of the things of what's the risk the orga- organizational damage uh, from HIPAA violations um, you can see those there um, and where most of the problems are occurring physical theft um, I know one of the hottest buzzwords out there, and anybody who says I do cybersecurity can get a job tomorrow because everybody's looking for people that know cybersecurity. And every time you, you hear an ad on the TV for every university, we have a cybersecurity program now. Uh, but when you look at this, where most of the breaches occur, and this is no different than in any healthcare, maybe a little more, most of them are process oriented, it's people type of factors and cybersecurity is nice and it's needed and if you're in the military and some of these other places government facilities that are getting you know denial of service type attacks Um, but most of of medicine it's not that it's it's just the vulnerabilities are there and people are just taking uh, advantage of them so it's not taking a lot of thought a lot of effort uh, today Um, most of the organizations are setting themselves up for their own problems Um, and part of the problem is just that there there just has not been the culture uh, the security awareness. One of the key things is just security awareness training for everybody. Privacy training in these organizations um, has just, there just has not been the focus to date. Um, it's easy to sell data on the black market. Um, I like this one because uh, I did go out to some of these sites to see um, that are out there and it's amazing how people are selling the data and uh, what they're getting for it. Um, PII of over 40 million Americans is out there right now. Uh, competing prices, there's additional services. To, I even saw one that said money back guarantee that if you don't get anything tell us we'll give you back your money on your credit card. Uh, that, that was pretty interesting. I don't know if they really give the money back or not but they they make that guarantee that uh, you'll definitely get some money from my record if you get it. Um, and like any commodity it's priced by value. So. Um, Does it belong to a real person if it does? uh, And they'll do their own scans, you know, like it it seems like people before they'll buy it, especially the ones that are pricey with medical now, they're going to try to see, okay, let me do a LinkedIn or let me do some type of search on the person, see if this person's real, because all your data is out there anyway, so it's not hard to see if there's a Robert Zimmerman in West Lafayette. Um, And if they can match it up, then hey, this is a great record for me to use. Um, And it's really that simple. for people to do today, Um, and I don't know, maybe some of the people in here have tried it uh, and so forth. There's obviously a big opportunity for people making money, working internally for people to try to help them to avoid that from occurring. Robert? Yes. It seems like when credit card data or something like that, financial data is stolen, someone who wants to exploit that can do it from afar, be very uh, anonymous. But to exploit this kind of data, you've got you've to show up at a clinic impersonating someone. That's a much higher risk. It, it, it is, and it isn't. Um, because of the fact that in the industry today, there's so little oversight, and that immediate, as I said, the immediate ability to identify um, an invalid transaction, I'll say. Because, you know, like with credit cards today, even when I, the one that gets me with credit cards is, um, and I don't use them much anymore. I think it's Chase. I use someone else. You know, if you're in a different area where you haven't been regularly, it doesn't take to charge. So they've got it set up so much, and then you get a phone call or a text message. But in healthcare, by the time people realize it, that's what's really doing it, you're right. You have to go there in person. The person has to actually do an ID, put their picture on it. Um, But by the time anybody notices, because of the way the system is today, it's weeks, months. If we ever get to this thing where everybody's integrated and they can do a check on it, um, and there's question now whether your picture would ever be on there because of privacy issues. Um, Because there's people who are saying that's, you know, if your picture's on there and then your health record and somebody can see that this is Robert and on there says he's had psychiatric problems or heart problems, I mean, you know, that's too much. You can't put all that together because then that's all out there and it's invading privacy. Um, So that's why right now it's, if they ever get to the thing where there's some quicker way of validating a transaction, uh, but right now you go in an emergency room, all they do is say, you have an insurance card? And you got one, they're more than happy to serve you. Um and that's what's driving the and until they get that and the, the fear they have, you know, if you don't get a purchase, let's say you won't go into Target and you buy a bunch of items and you okay, so your purchase was declined. Um, and they can do that. But if I go in a hospital and I have an emergency and I have a real emergency, nobody wants to take the risk of declining you unless they really have everything because the liability and everything else. So there's got to be really, you know, it's, and how, where do you get to that point where you have almost foolproof data on the, on the transaction? Um, so that's really what the issue is in, in healthcare. Um, people have talked about how do you really validate that this is Robert Zimmerman. At the same time, you get the privacy people saying, I can't really store all this data. It's got to all be de-identified if it's going to be out there at all. Um, so it's kind of the, the catch-22 right now. Any other uh, questions? Um, As one famous hacker said, the weakest link in any network is its people, and that's so true because a lot of the breaches have been internal. And in healthcare, the vast majority have been internal. Uh, People internal using it for their own, or they just wanted to find something out, or they basically sold it. Um, And that happens almost every day. Um, Somebody gets into the records who probably shouldn't, and if you've been in a hospital, especially community hospitals, Uh, Part of their whole thing is access, ease of access. That's what they're selling to the, my father was in one for a long time. And one night I just walked around Um, and they left the doors open all night because their whole idea is to let the families come in. You go to like the big hospital centers, they got the security and so forth, but you go to a lot of community hospitals and clinics, you can just wander around, especially after hours. Um, And that allows anybody to get on there, especially uh, people working the night shift internal, uh, they got plenty of time to do their own thing and see who's out there, uh, what information might be there. And that's really what's driving most of the the issues today. So what do you need to do? You need to make it very simple. And uh, we're just going to show kind of an example of something that's been implemented that really simplifies it here in a second. Um, What have the audits found? And you can just kind of see the problems that have occurred there. Uh, Even basic risk assessments aren't done right. But there's policies, procedures. Uh, Most of them are out of date. Uh, lack of training, uh, disaster recovery plans haven't been tested uh, not even, and that's not even saying whether you've got a business continuity plan, limited encryption even though everybody says encryption is one of the easiest ways to protect data, uh, actually getting that in there because how do you get people who are on different systems and diff- to use the same encryption? Okay, how are you really going to share the key? That's the issue here with something like healthcare. It's a disparate organization with so many people answering to themselves. Because even in hospitals, half the doctors in there don't work for the hospital. They work for some company that's tied into the hospital. So they have their own little group for all kinds of reasons. How do you get standards across here in in something like that so that you can actually put in the security and privacy? Because if I'm an organization, and this is something that happens very much today, in data transfers, and uh, the person went into the emergency room at uh, St. Vincent's, and now they're seeing me and they say hey the data is encryption but who's to say I'm over here in my own doc that I have that encryption and ninety percent I don't because I have whatever I have or whatever my vendor gave me Um, so what's the easiest way to go well I'm gonna skip that and I'm just uh, you gotta get the information to me send it to me so there's really issues here how do you get standards in when you have approximately 750,000 providers um, you've got uh, another million business associates, labs, billion, that are also covered by this. How do you get everybody on the same standard? Um, and what, every, what a lot of these groups are used to getting is being paid to do things, for better or worse, grant money and other things, and they're saying, who's going to pay? And then why this standard versus another standard um, of encryption? So, or any type of standard, um, and that's making it very difficult um, and especially on the whole access control, same idea. How do you get a standard when you have a group like that? Um, yin and yang of security, it's really balancing the productivity um, versus what benefits you get from it. Um, while security controls stop people from doing bad things, uh, obviously these same controls can enforce uh, best practices and it's really getting people to understand that fact of what the value is of controls and, and whether security, privacy, access controls, any kind of control, because you go in a lot of offices and, and still they're using passwords like 123ABC. Um, just because it's easy. And what they'll say is, it's too hard to remember. And I forget passwords myself because you get these ones and they tell you, you got to have a special password. And what do most of the organizations do? They, they believe it's safer just to do that than to put, because what people were doing was putting stickies with the passwords like, you know, four, five, six pound. Uh, Robert Pound 3, um, most of them were putting stickies because they couldn't remember. And then is that what's safer, uh, ABC123 or, or that? And that's the kind of trade-off when you look at this and, and people that start getting involved in healthcare, and it's a huge opportunity, everybody says it's the biggest market of the next few years. Um, as I mentioned, the opportunity for technology is, is sky high because it is here, but when you deal with it, there's the constant trade-offs between ease of use and the benefits. Um, Traditionally, in healthcare, security and privacy have not kept up. You can see how small they are uh, compared to other industries, um, both uh, from an employee basis as well as from a spend. So there's, once again, it's just, uh, there's a long way to go. So where are most healthcare organizations in IT risk? Um, These are just the common things. It's a nice little diagram of the activities that you would want to have from a risk management program, and unfortunately, most of them are in risk assessment if they've done anything. Um, They do a risk assessment, and then they go, what do I do next? Um, And they really haven't got to the form of risk mitigation, actually putting things into place, documenting, or ongoing monitoring. Um, And when they do have monitoring, they're monitoring, but how do you know what The issue most people have with monitoring tools today is there's just a ton of data, but how do you analyze any of the data? And there are some solutions coming out that are very simple that try to do some of that and you just say a few parameters um, so that they can actually do it. But most organizations are just using standard monitoring tools. They say they're doing monitoring, but then nobody knows what to look at because if you see most monitoring tools, it's like this much data comes out. Um, And then how do I identify what's really important, if anything? that I should be looking at Um, and unfortunately most times they don't notice things that they really should and you see some of the breaches, Target and others where it went on for six months. Now they had monitoring in place and other things but it took them six months to realize there was a problem because there was just so much data coming out. So if anybody can come up with a really simple monitoring tool that really is comprehensive and really identifies just one people and does away with false alarms because that's the other problem, the false positives. Uh, you would have a huge market. Um, and that's really what's needed in the industry because what happens is the old story there's so many false alarms. What do people do? They just ignore everything. And that's kind of what's happening right now in, in healthcare. And you actually see that too with devices. A lot of the devices have alarms. So if you've been in the hospital, um, whether it's you're, you're getting intravenous or any type of anything's occurring, most of them have alarms. But because the complexity of most of these solutions, they all have embedded, they're all t- very technical now, it's overwhelming the nurse. I was just talking to, to somebody that said there were 200 different uh, possibilities that the nurses had for the uh, defibrillation, uh, the ongoing one. So that basically just keeps the heart going for the person. 200 possible settings. Um, and they've made it comprehensive, covers everything, and that's part of the problem there. But when you got 200, you know, how, did, how does the, and the nurse is trying to do this very quickly and then you're starting getting into false positives where they don't know if it's really wrong or not, but they've gotten so many they just assume it's, it's wrong. And they just say, okay, well it must be the machine's not working right. Um, this is just what drives and we talked a lot about that so I'm just going to skip over but it's kind of the, the cost of a breach um, is anywhere from $500,000 up so it's not small and that's really just for a small clinic. When you talk about the big organizations, it's millions of dollars. Uh, This is what organizations are really looking for. They're looking for simple solutions. Um, All-in-one type of security and privacy solutions, um, much like TurboTax, and um, that drives you through the process. It looks very easy to use. It is easy, it's comprehensive. They don't want to see complexity. I think people in IT love to make things complex. Um, it's just the nature by it. They like to see cool things. That's why you're in IT or in a computer science or MIS. But what people really need out there is simple. And um, we have a solution that does this. And people say well, it looks very simple. Well, that's the whole idea. It is very simple. It kind of walks you through just like TurboTax, because that's really what's needed. Because people are looking for all this combined. They're looking for like risk management in a box. I can't think of a better term for it. Where everything is very easy to use, it drives itself almost, um, and that's what's needed. And so often, I mentioned some of these vendors who didn't even test it out, and they said, "Hey, we got cool apps, and this is great," but the problem is it doesn't work because people are having trouble understanding or using it, or they never worried about security till the end. Somebody says, "Are you HIPAA compliant?" and they go, "Oh, we gotta we gotta follow compliance." Um, this is kind of the rapid approach too that. Um, the market's looking for it, and we mentioned that we're trying to put an Ebola product out in, in 30 to 60 days. Um, but everything um, that we're trying to do and the market is asking for is this whole rapid and go against the tide that it has to take a long time to implement anything, it has to take a long time to put security in place. How can you prioritize things and get much quicker uh, implementation, much quicker results because then that's going to drive people to change their way of doing things. So the quicker you can show that you're doing something, the easier you can make it, um, the better short-term results you're going to have. And we've taken this to larger organizations and they look at this and they go, well, it's got to take three months. We can't do uh, companies I've previously worked with, PwC and the Deloitte's of the world, the Accentures, big healthcare consultants. They go, well, this has got to take uh, 90 days because they want to get consulting fees. Well, it doesn't have to take 90 days. I mean, you can, uh, the whole idea here is to try to simplify the process and get people working quicker. Um, that's kind of our overall, um, this is just our contact information. I want to try to keep this within the timeline, and I think we did, and hopefully give you a, a good overview. Any questions about the trends that are occurring in the industry, um, you know, whether from technology or overall, um, what's holding back technology, um, anything at all? Or we were just so overwhelming with this presentation that it, you just fully understand it. Yeah, I'm. I'll, I guess I'll ask. Uh, I guess I will ask a few questions, and, and this will um, really drive around. I'm very curious from people here, and I assume a lot of people are NCS and looking at it. Have you developed um, as you go about developing? Has there been any interest from you to develop healthcare apps? What's driving it? What type of things are you working on? Is there anybody here at all working in the healthcare or thinking about developing healthcare apps um, today? What kind of applications are you working Is there a, a focus on the usability, or what's driving the, um, driving the development, if anything? Because I assume some people here are doing projects where you are developing um, things, working in mobile technology. Um, well, maybe it might. I'm sorry, it might be affected by the fact that the medical school is part of Indiana University yeah. not here. But there's a lot of slogans that you've iterated that are not unlike any other major challenge like this one are there any organizations in the medical community that are saying this is what we need and this is what we're willing to to use because otherwise all your civil solution providers will be fragmented and they'll be they'll be scrambling for market share and no, no one will ever be happy yeah and I think that's what's happening right there now um, because it's kind of in infancy and if certain groups become the, the standard and the promotion like something as basic as GRC general, um, you know, the overall risk control, governance risk and control, um, some of the large institutions, they just finally are putting it in like Beth Israel Hospital and some of the ones that are seen as leaders um, in the industry, uh, people like Aetna with the health centers they do. So this is kind of the time where that's going to come. The problem you've got now is you've got the competing, it's a very, as I mentioned, and that is the difference. A lot of these themes are similar, but the problem in healthcare versus some of the things like finance and some of the other areas was, you had the small groups and you had a group like in the PCI world, the credit card, they really got together and said, these are the standards, and that really drove it. The problem in healthcare is the government is the one setting the the standards, but they don't want to come out and say, this is the standard this is the certification process because we've asked them and everyone else has and they go well we can't be vendor dependent and so forth and people have been waiting for something like that and then to set the interoperability standard which it looks like they're going to do because the people are everybody saying without something like that we're never going to have it and that is really the difference in healthcare from my experience because I worked in finance and other industries um, there, was a bo- there was a group that really set a lot of the standards Um, And in healthcare, the government is that group, and they've been very slow to interact because of the fact that it's policy-driven. They're always worried about, um, are we favoring somebody? Because for some of the other rules earlier on, they did, and they got feedback. So they're always very hesitant to do that. So that's what's making this more complex. Um, What people believe is going to do it is the large organizations getting together, the large institutions like the Indiana University getting together with Northwestern and... Michigan and you know other hospital systems and saying this is the standard we're going to use and that driving it Um, because those are the same organizations that are buying up a lot of the doctors as the way the industry is going so if they start setting and they can actually come together and even there unfortunately there's politics because you know that's in this industry and big egos um, but that's really what's going to do it if those groups can get together And then the payers come behind and say, we're going to follow those same standards that these big institutions are doing. And then everybody else is going to be forced to to come along um, for the ride. But that's what it's going to take uh, to really change the current setting. Um, Because unfortunately, there is no standard setter. The government comes up with a lot of policies, but they don't use the hammer uh, to say, this is the way it's got to be, like happened in other industries any other uh, any other questions at all yes you mentioned that I guess users are iffy to use technology to do anything medical and I was wondering if you meant that also in regards to accessing medical records because from a perspective it's the exact same as accessing bank records it's just information when there's well-established standards for that and so my question was is are they just people who are iffy with technology or don't understand that there's established protocols and security policies or what's the hold up on that because for instance Estonia has all of their medical records online and everyone's good to go so um, what's the hold up two things one is there is some resistance from doctors who have been in the industry a while and they like the way the process is and the second part um, there's really that's the first part that then drives the fact that they're saying this is not making my job easier. It's actually taking me longer, because the problem is the workflows haven't changed, yet I've now got this new step where I gotta put all my data in electronically. So instead of me being able to see, say, 20 patients a day, I'm down to 16, which is affecting my revenue, plus I need to spend two hours um, entering data later. So until that kind of process, because the question really gets, do you want the doctor fooling around with his, or spending time looking at you and really answering questions, and uh, and it's got to change some of that process there. And then you've got the, the last piece of this, why it really hasn't been accepted in the U.S., so you've got the fact it's always been done this way. You've got the fact that people believe who are using it and starting to use it say it's slowing them down, it's not efficient, so the process has to get more efficient where people are really, and when you look at younger people used to, younger doctors used to tablets, they're seeing more of the value, and saying it, they're, it's not being affected. And then the last one is this whole trust factor, where a lot of people are saying, hey, it's great I put this in here, where's this data going to go? And until people start saying there's a standard around data, because right now the EHR systems, there's no standard. Epic has theirs, Allscripts has theirs. Until you get a standard among them also, then you start seeing the value of the data being being passed. Um, in certain locations like you know Indianapolis and places like that, the hospitals have gotten together on their own little networks to share data, but the broader part still gets to that point of, changing the culture, um, really make it efficient, because if it's not efficient, people aren't going to use it because they don't see the value, Um, and then really getting to the point where the data is really out there for people to share, and then they'll start seeing the value because, hey, I'm getting information. So instead of me having to get on the phone to call Dr. Zimmerman over here at St. Vincent's, I just got online and I saw the record and it came over like this, and that was a lot more efficient. Uh, But it's really, really, that's what's going to change it. Uh, So it's a slow, it's a slow process, um, and I think a, a lot of doctors have been burned by it because the initial applications of the EHR systems um, were not uh, as user friendly, and it, it actually took longer to do things than to actually save any time. And I mean, that's anything we know about systems, anybody's developed them, and I, I have. I did large uh, health and human service, and if the system wasn't gonna be easier, you weren't gonna get the case people, to, uh, workers to use it. Because why am I doing this? It was quicker just writing this stuff down. And that's kind of where we're at right now. So it's a change of mindset um, and all this, as you saw in that first one, all this is happening at one time. So it's kind of it's overwhelming. Uh, maybe it's too much, too much too soon, too much at one time for people to digest. Well, thank you. I think that's uh, the time. I do appreciate it. Uh, I know it's 5 o'clock, 5.20 in the uh, It's a late class, so thank you for your attention. I do appreciate it.